Hi everyone, for those I, I don't see. Uh, this afternoon we will continue our series Ancient Story. Um, and we go through the story of Noah. So for a quick summary of the last Sunday, we saw God uh, created the, the earth and uh, the universe. We saw God created uh, his creature and the mankind. And um, he created the mankind on his image with a mission to be his representative on earth and take care of his creation and the possibility to have communion with him. So God doesn't create us like robot or slave, but he created us with a brilliant brain, a great freedom of action, and the most important, the free will. So Adam and Eve, seduced by the, by the serpent, broke the only rule they need to follow in Eden and was cast out of the garden. They were cast out away from the face of God. And the next generation, Cain, filled with jealousy and anger, um, because God preferred the Abel's sacrifice, chose to ignore the warning God gave to him in 1 Genesis 4, 7. If you do well, will, not, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sins lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So, you know, the rest of the series, Cain uh, killed Abel, and he was driven far away from the place uh, where their parents, uh, his parents lived. So, in Genesis 4, 16, Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden. So here you have a Christian mechanic or a spiritual truth to catch is more you sin, further you are from the Lord. So Adam and Eve before the rebellion was in Eden in the perfect presence of the Lord, more closest place because the sin was not between God and Adam and Eve. And after the fall, they were cast out but not abandoned by the Lord. We can see that in one, uh, Genesis 4, verse 1. Eve said, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. So we, we see on this birth, the, Lord, the presence of the Lord was still here. And after that, Cain killed his brother and was sent further from the Lord. So it's important to note today it's still the same. If you persevere in sin, and disobedience, you will put more and more distance between you and God. Amen? So, today we will talk about Noah's generation who get really further from the Lord. So, we will open our Bible uh, and read Genesis 6 and uh, Genesis 7 from 1 to 9. So... Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the son of God saw the daughter of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall, shall not strive with man forever, 
for he is indeed flesh. Yet his day shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the Son of God came into the, do into the daughter of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every intent of the tough of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made men on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy men whom I have created from the face of the earth, both men and beasts, creeping things and birds on the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of, jo of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three, three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupted before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make room in an ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Its width 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark in, in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third deck. And behold, I myself am bringing food water on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life, everything that is on the earth shall die. But... I will establish my covenant with you, and you <coughs> shall go into the ark, you, your son, your wife, and your son's wife with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark, to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the bird of every their kind, of animal after their kind, and of every creeping things of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive, and you shall take for yourself all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Genesis 7, from 1 to 9. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me and in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, 
to each of animals that are unclean and male and is female. Also seven each of bird of the air, male and female, to keep the spicy alive of the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy from the face, face of the, the earth all living things that I made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded to him. Noah was six, 600 years old when the flood water were on the earth. So Noah with his son, his wife, and his son's wife went into the ark because the water of the flood of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of bird and of every that creeps on the earth, two by two, they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded to Noah. So, through this reading, we see our God look around the earth and his mankind, and the only thing he saw was perversion, violence, sin and immorality. So he saw the Son of God come in earth and took women to be one flesh with her and have children. So here, Son of God means fallen angel and demons. We see this expression in Job 2. In Job 1 uh, verse 6, we see, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. So we have the fallen angel come and meet God with Satan in the midst of them. And you can see the context of Genesis 6 confirm its talk about demons. Because the God's plans for men and women was to be in communion with God and between them by the link of the marriage. And when the Son of God came to be one flesh with the man or the woman, he took this gift, God gift to the man. He took this possibility to be in communion with men, woman, and God himself. So with this diabolical plan, we know we're talking about demon. And we can saw that too with uh, the fruit who was made with this union. We have two principal fruits. The first one is all human beings fall in a big wickedness and it becomes unbearable in the God's eyes. And the second fruit was to change the mankind image in giant and all of sort of beasts. So in this second fruit, we don't have much information about what was the men uh, of old or this kind of beast, but maybe it can refer to the Greek mythology, the beast of the heroes, or maybe the dinosaur, because uh, in the sequel, we just find this big uh, giant, and uh, today, every dinosaur are dead, so. So, the position who take this son of God is really clear, is to destroy the image of God expressed through men. 
So we know it's Satan and his army because the name Satan means the opponent. So what we see here, it's the army of evil come in a hearth and corrupt everything. So you need to know, we saw this powerful attack against God and against mankind, but Satan is not stronger than God, and he will never be. And uh, if you read your Bible, you know he already lose the war. You can see that. You have two chapters really important in Revelation. It's the 19 and the 20, and you know Satan lose the war. So, the only way the devils can arm God is to destroy you and to lead you surely in hell. Because for one soul saved, you have a great joy in heaven, and for one soul lost, you have a big sorrow. So, that's why in the earth, We have so much different doctrine, so much different religion, so much different division in the church, and a lot of ephemeral pleasure. Because it's, everything is set up to make you forget God or reject your God. So if this war is already win, and God is the Almighty, What is this about? The central question is your destiny. It's all about you and I. If God delay his judgment against the devils, it's because he waits the man and woman to take position for the eternal life. Because when the day of the judgment will come, every people who serve Satan or rejected the Lord will be judged with the devil and his army. So this war rests in a single issue. Have you made Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior? Even if you un don't understand what Jesus did on the cross, take you this lep uh, um, leap of faith. <laughs> Sorry. I don't want to, to say foot of faith, leap of faith. <laughs> Sorry for that. And trust the God's solution. So, because today, the only things who qualify a man to go in heaven, it's the faith in God through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It's not a question of baptism or hard work or special ministry or being pastor or missionary don't qualify you to go in heaven. Only the faith. And you can see that in Luke 23, from 39, 43. The one of the criminal who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But other, the other answering and rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we end in justly, for we receive the due reward and of your deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in the paradise. Amen. Amen. Just imagine the scene. You have three cross and uh, two people just arguing together. And Jesus say to the guy who have the faith, recognize him as the Messiah. He say, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So these men have a, a life of crime. A few hours before his death, he recognized Jesus Christ for the Messiah and he was not baptized. I'm sure he don't go to the temple or in the church. But he takes this decision and change his destiny. It was enough for the Lord for taking him to the paradise. So, like I said before, God waits you to take position for the eternal life. You need to keep in mind, to take this decision, you have a window of time to take it. After that, God will exercise his judgment. We can saw that in the parable of the fig tree, in Luke 13, from 6 to 9. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in this vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and food none. Then he said to the keeper of this vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this tree, fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does he use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone with years also, until I dig around and I fertilize it. And if he bear fruit, well, but if not, after that you can cut it down. So God is clear. He waits for us to bear fruit. And he talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this is only possible if you are the faith in Jesus Christ. So these fruits of the Holy Spirit are described in Galatians. Galatians 16 from uh, 23. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the work of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, leadness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelry, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also, also told you in, in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So I have a question for you today. 
when you see this list of fruits, do we have a significant difference between Noah's generation and our generation? Are we getting closer to the last generation before Jesus returns? Jesus said about his second return two important things. Matthew 24, 11-13 And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And Luke 17, 26-30 said, And as it was in the day of Noah, so it will be also in the day of the soon of man, of the return of Jesus. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the day of Lot, they ate, they drank, they brought, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built, But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed the whole. Even so will it be in the day when the soon of man is revealed. So, I think I learned to you nothing, teach you nothing about this fact. Uh, our generation is more and more in common with our generation. What stands out about Noah's generation? It was a violent generation. It was an um, um, immoral generation, thinking every time of evil. Every thought, every day, evil. So if we look at the world today, every day it looks like the same. I will share some sad facts about my country. But keep in mind, it's probably the same in every country of Europe. In 2013, in France, we became the ninth country of Europe to approve, by law, the gay marriage. And eight years after that, in 2021, with the approval of the United Protestant Church of France, a church in the South, celebrate the first gay marriage between two lesbian pastors. So in France, some Christians were really happy when this is happened. But the Bible said in Levitic, Leviticus 18.22, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It's an abomination. So the Bible is clear. And it's not just about male, between, uh, between male. We know homosexuality are not approved by God. So if you see such thing in your church, I advise you to leave. Because when a head of a church falls, it can be all of the church fall. You can imagine how many people today are in hell because they followed a false doctor or a false teacher, a false pastor. In my first ministry, the teacher refused to teach about repentance and sanctification because himself, he never practiced sanctification and repentance. And when one day my wife and I, 
we come and explain with our Bible in mind what is the problem with this kind of teaching. And we were immediately cast out of the ministry, insulted and scorned. So today, we have some news of this man, and he changed totally the line of his ministry. He became a Catholic ghost hunter. So a, it's a red flag, Catholic ghost hunter. And his teaching today is when you died, you met the last time with Jesus, and he asked you if, you if you want to be saved or not. And if you say yes, whatever your background, or if you live in sanctification or in repentance way, you will be saved. So it's really a shame to teach such thing. His ministry was really big. It was like thousand people behind him. So it's really sad. The second fact is, according to the French Health Ministry, in 2021, 200,000 legal abortions were recorded for 800 pregnant women. 800,000, sorry. It's legal and paid by the government. And if you want to do it, you don't have to justify anything. You just come see the doctor and ask for an abortion. And the law uh, says a girl of 14 don't need parents' consent to have an abortion. So it's really big. And it's today, you are not convinced that abortion is a crime. I encourage you to watch the documentary The Silent Scream. It's an old documentary, but you can see on it an ultrasound Uh, during the process of the abortion and the extraction of the baby. So, when, if you plan to see it, hang on, because you will cry. It's really a big crime. So, when you search about the abortion in the Bible, it's not easy to find it because abortion is not a biblical word. But we know when the Israelites sacrifice their son to some god, it was an abomination. And also, in Exodus 21, 22 to 25, you can read, if men fight and hurt a woman with a child, so that she give birth prematurely, yet no arms follow, he shall surely be punished according as the woman husband imposed to him, and he shall pay as the judge determine. But if any arms follow, then you shall give life for life, ace for ace, tooth for tooth, etc., etc. So the, this part of the law is say just if any arms follow. So we can think the baby is count on it. Killing a baby of a pregnant woman is a crime even if the, the mother wants it or give his agreement for that. If you average 200,000 abortions per year, it gives you a total of 600 per day. Just for France, it's just 600 per day. So every day, you can have 600 abortions. 
So it's a really a big shame. And we can talk about a lot of things. I don't want to <laughs> take too much time to <laughs> talk about it, but we can talk about pornography consumption, where French is ranked third, uh, third um, uh, consumer. We can talk about um, changing your gender, approved by law, divorce rate, crime rate, drug, and the sherry on the cake, the best of the best, all of this is mixed with a lukewarm church. So in France, you have a lot of church. You can come in it. You will pray. You will talk about a lot of things. But Jesus is not here. It's, he is no longer here. So it's really a fall of the morality we saw in this generation today. So I remember when I was young, um, my father worked in a military base and you have a lot of plane, a lot of dismantled uh, war plane with equipment and it was uh, good to saw these kind of things. And in some modern plane, you have uh, one equipment, it's a big scanner who scan all of the ground. So if you, if, um, you just uh, drive the plane and you have a mountain just in the front of you, or if you lose height quickly, you will heard in the cabin, pull up, pull up, pull up. And today's indicator, the Bible say to you, pull up, pull up, pull up. Amen? Yeah. It's with this book, you will get away from this generation, exactly like Noah did. You must stand up and say no to all of this corruption. When Noah walked walk with God and be righteous in the front of God, God gave him a solution to go through the judgment. And this solution was the ark. For us, our ark is Jesus Christ. God provided to us this solution in the sacrifice of Jesus for our redemption. So, all of those who board in the ark, I save by, by grace. But it's mean you need to quit your sinful life. You cannot have one foot in the, in the ark and one foot in the world because God don't accept double-minded double men. It's really important to know that. Follow Jesus is really mean. I quit my whole life. I become a new creator, a new man, and the whole man is still at the cross. Amen? Amen. So Ephesians 5, from 3 to 5, said, But the fornication and all uncleast and covetousness let it not even be named among you. Here Paul talks to the Christian, to the saints. As is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor cause jetting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, as any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God.
So it's really important to put his life in order. Just said, I believe in Jesus, is not sufficient. It's really, I change my, my, my life and I follow him. That's the meaning of I believe in Jesus Christ. The next verse says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the son of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partaker with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful work of the darkness, but rather expose them, for it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. So here, it's not the question, a question of living in hermitage uh, like a monk or something like that, or shut every contact with a non-believer. We don't talk about that. You need to go see the non-believer to be a light around them. But you need to put a spiritual wall between your behavior and their behavior. You need to don't practice sin if these people ask you to sin. You need to take, for example, Jesus. Jesus came to see the sinner and the bad people to be a light around them, not to sin, to sin with these people. We need to say no like Noah did for, Noah did for this generation. He said no to the corruption. And other biblical people do it too. I think of, about Joseph. Joseph said no when the wife of Potiphar came to try to sleep with him. When the husband was away, the wife came and tried and put really pressure on Joseph to have sex with him. And for a lot of people, it will be just easy to accept it because nobody know it, just God. But he say no and preferring going in prison than cracking under the pressure. And it's a good thing because prison is better if you walk with the Lord than the freedom with a lot of demons. Daniel's friends do the same. When the king came, and asked to worship an idol, they preferred the death than corrupt themselves and disobey God. And my favorite story, my hall of fame, is the midwife of Egypt in the book of Exodus. Pharaoh gave this order, you will kill all Israelites, newborn male, and let the female live. If you read in Exodus 1, 17 to 21, the Bible said, but the midwife feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwife and said to them, 
Why have you done these things and saved the male children? And the midwife said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwife come to them. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwife, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was, because the midwife feared God, that he provided household for them. I really love this story, this courage, it's really... So they don't hesitate to say no to the order and keeping in mind, we don't corrupt themselves. We don't obey to these kind of things. And they are really courageous. And I encourage you to be courageous in your generation to say no to all of the corruption. I encourage you to don't be ashamed to say no to people when you don't agree, when people try to push you to commit a sin, or just say to you, come with me, we will drink, we will do these things. Say no. You have, don't be ashamed of that. So we know Jesus will coming back a second time. The Bible says clearly we don't know the day, near the hour. It's just the only father, only the father know the time. But we need to keep in mind, Jesus died now 2,000 years ago. So it can be any time. Maybe it will be 1,000 years more before his return. Maybe not. Me, when I look around me, I think it will not take 1,000 years. I hope to. <laughs> so it's my personal opinion, and I think the Lord will become soon. And It's not important because God don't say, our part is not to say how he will come, but our part is to be ready to his return. You can think about marriage. I don't know if some of you know a little bit the Jewish tradition of this time, but the future wife have around one year to be prepared for the wedding. And this one years is called by Kiddushin, Women Sanctification. And it's an important time for this future wife because it's the time she prepares herself to be consecrated to her future husband. And at the end of this time, the men can come anytime, any hour, at the end of Kiddushin. It can be a little bit earlier or a little bit later. So when the future husband, uh, the future husband arrival is announced and the woman had to be ready to meet his future, her future husband. And it's good to read that because in Matthew 25, from 1 to 13, we can read. Then the kingdom of God shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamp and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamp and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamp. 
but while the bridge room was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. At, and at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridge groom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamp. And the foolish said to the wife, wise, give us some of your all, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridge groom came, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgin came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open us, open to us. But the Lord answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. What therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming? So here we talk about the church, the ten virgin. We don't talk about pagan people or non-believer. It's us. In the church, the Lord say, we have some people wise and some people fool. So they took their lamp, took oil with it, and the other didn't take the oil. The oil here is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. It means in some church, some people are filled by the Holy Spirit, and some other people are not filled by the Holy Spirit. Some people are filled by the Holy Spirit and seek every day to keep this condition. They're leading a sanctified life. And those who are full don't sanctify themselves. And reaching a such a sinful level, there, there is no difference between a non-believer and this Christian. So when it's happened, the Holy Spirit suddenly just left these people and the lamp went out. It's the same image, take the Lord, when he said, the salt lost its flavor. The wise virgin have entered in the eternal glory of God, and the foolish found themselves before the closet door, and they heard assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. So it means some people who are called Christian will be rejected. It's really important to understand the link between the Holy Spirit and the sanctification. You cannot have the sanctification without the Holy Spirit and you cannot have the Holy Spirit without the sanctification. We can see sign the, that in the Psalm 24 who complements the Matthew 25. Psalm 24, from 3 to 5. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord 
and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So in Matthew 25, you see you cannot be accepted with the Holy Spirit in the presence of the Lord. And Psalm 24 said, show us you cannot be in the presence of the Lord without the sanctification. So it's really important to sanctify your life, to be filled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. It's him who gives you the conviction of sin. When you're doing something wrong, he puts this heavy feeling on, on your heart <laughs> and urge you <laughs> to go and repent yourself. So, it's him who urges you to go repent and sanctify yourself, to keep yourself sanctified. But if you don't listen when he warns you, when he calls you to repent, one day he will go away. And that's happened in the Bible. It's happened with Saul, the king Saul, experienced that. So, let's not play with the God grace. Amen? Amen. And sanctify yourself. So, in conclusion, I would like to make some clarification. Sanctifying yourself doesn't mean you will never sin again. Unfortunately, here we are uh, submit to the temptation and it can happen, we will sin, ever if we are, we are Christian. And sanctification takes time because it's a firm resolution to stop sinning, to be as clean as possible. So, so the sanctified path is based on four principal things really important. The first one is the will to put an end with your sin. If you don't have this will, it will never work. If you are a thief and you want to be Christian, you need to stop this. The second fact, things is never try to justify a sin or hide it in the front of the Lord because he knows everything. But we often Christians make compromise with sin and try to justify it with the, the Bible. With, it's not good. The third thing is when you fall, don't lose time and don't be hard with yourself. Just come in the presence of the Lord and ask for forgiveness. The promise is here. 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So don't, lose, don't waste time. It's, it's useless to just in, be in the circle of guilt. Just ask for forgiveness. And the last thing, and I think it's really important to understand that, it's you need to believe, to have faith, you are, God had made you as a new creature. The old man is on the cross. So it's really important. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
So the spiritual battle, you can only win with faith. The Bible said that the righteous will believe by faith and not by sight. And this point is really important to have faith. You are a new creature and your sin are with the whole man on the cross. Because sometimes you will try to stop sinning and it will never work. It will don't work. And it will take time to have done with some addiction. So in this period of time, you need to keep these spiritual weapons and proclaim this with faith in your prayer. And you will move forward in your sanctification. In my personal experience, it's with this weapon I win on the pornography addiction. And it took, a, it took a lot of time for that. So, and I remember how I found this weapon. It was a elder speak about, he, he was struggled 30 years in pornography. And he explained how he can handle that. And it's by proclaiming in prayer this thing. I'm a new creature. Amen? Amen. May the Lord be blessed.